Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Stay in Your Lane. I'm your host, John Maley. With us today again for the second time is Mr. Scott Oliver from HP Hood. What we wanted to talk about today is compression in the market and understanding that um, the impact of compression uh, as if when rates go up and capacity tightens, uh, we're starting to see everything be uh, reduction. Uh, markets reducing from a line haul perspective. We're seeing high fuel. All of those things are playing into uh, compression on the carrier uh, down at the carrier and driver level. So, Scott, um, what do you see as risks of compression for your organization or for, for people in your position? Well, I, I, I think from, from my perception, you know, you talk about capacity, you talk about compression, whether rates are going up or rates are coming down. You know, you still have a problem within, you know, within our network or across the United States that there's still, you know, there's driver shortages. Um, maybe there's not equipment shortages right now, but, you know, there is a driver shortage, right? So where are these drivers coming from? Whether or not you have, whether rates are going up or rates are coming down, you know, where are the drivers coming from and, and how are you going to get drivers in the seats to make sure that, you know, that the, that we can get all of this volume and, and is there really capacity and how do we get it all moved? That's, that's probably one of the, the biggest things for me. And then when you talk about if rates are going up, you know, you got an RFP, you got contracts, you got stuff going on, but fuel goes up, rates are starting to go up, capacity's tight. And I think, you know, John, for me, it's, it's, it's really about one, being fair to one another when rates are going up, but it's also being fair to one another when rates come down. So, you know, whether it's a broker network or whether it's asset based uh, carriers, you know, when rates are going up and there's compression, um, you know, either the ten either tender rejections go up and people don't take the loads and then you end up going to the spot market and paying a lot of dollars anyway or, you know, or additional dollars. But, you know, how does that relationship work and how do we work together when rates are going up to do what's fair for both for both uh, parties? On the flip side, when rates are coming down and, you know, you got guys that are trying to contact us and other people saying, you know, we'd love to do business with you. Well, you know, if they're throwing out rates that, that you just know are unsustainable when those rates are out there, you know, what do you do with your relationship and what you're currently doing with capacity and having to move things? You know, do you do you jump and does it move your cheese, as you say, that, you know, do you go out? We all want to try and control expenses, right? Sure. But at the end of the day, when you look at, especially the market that I'm in being in refrigerated with, you know, we have short shelf life. I mean, we're 60, 90, you know, 120 days on some products, but in the, but in the grand scope of life, you know, you've got code requirements and things that need to get done. And when you go to compression and you start messing around with whether rates are going up or down, I've got OTIP scores that I've got to, that I've got to live up to. So, you know, chasing maybe a low rate because somebody wants to come in and, and thinks they're going to be the savior and save you a lot of money, but then they, in fact, don't take the load or you have a, a, a load rejection or a tender rejection, and then you're not delivering on time, that low price means nothing if you haven't delivered it on time. And then you talk about potential OTIF fines. And then from the sales side, if you miss an appointment, are you, in fact, void on the shelf? And if you lost a sale? I don't know if I answered your question, John, but that's kind of my thumbnail. I think that when you, you entertain rates that maybe are unsustainable or, or below what we feel the market really is, 
what is the impact going to be? Am I going to invest into this partnership long term? Because there's a reason why this co- equipment and capacity is available now at such a lower rate because someone else isn't paying top dollar for it. It's basically, it's simple supply and demand, right? Right. But, I, you know, your real liability, you won't know till the market goes back up if you're yeah. a shipper. Because, you know, you, don't, you have to reach out and say, hey, so much of our business, if you're a shipper, we're going we're gonna to attempt to grow and, and diversify our network some. We're going to try and hedge our bet a little bit and gain some, some new partners or providers that maybe are sustainable and remove maybe the ones that showed us through the last period of time that they weren't going to be there to pick up their shipment, right? So I think there's, there's more than a cost in this scenario that you're looking at. If you're a shipper, you're looking at, okay, um, now service is somewhat taken for granted. You shouldn't be having, you know, we're not having two out of five tenders rejected and go into the spot market. We're seeing very little in the spot market. You know, if you're a shipper, you got to say, boy, I sure hope that the people keep their word. But this is the time for shippers to uh, realign with, you know, maybe better people in some instances where the previous uh, providers maybe failed, you know, a lot during the past. So you want to, you definitely have to take the opportunity to replace those type of providers in your network because the on-time fines are astronomical nowadays for everyone. You're not the only shipper that's dealing with it. And the, the receiving windows and appointment slots are even shorter and smaller and fewer between. So uh, the, the dartboard keeps getting further away and harder to, harder to hit the bullseye. And, you know, you as a shipper can say, hey, what's compression going to do for me? Well, it can do things. It can create a market where you can show a big cost savings at this moment in time. But there again, you know, it's going to turn. It always does. It's never going to stay static because our economy is based off supply and demand. So we're going to see some purging of uh, what we would would feel would be people that maybe uh, aren't providing the highest level of service or aren't operating uh, fiscally responsibly uh, from a a business perspective. I think we're going to see a lot of people be purged over the next 6 to to 12 months out of our industry. Uh, And then we're going to be back to to your point, we're going to be back to a driver shortage scenario, an equipment shortage scenario. Um, I know that, you know, the, the... the government has a pilot program through um, FMCSA for uh, apprenticeship for drivers 18 to 20 years old, mm-hmm. uh, but they also have to ride as a co-pilot. So th- that solution or, or any reprieve from that is three to five years out. Sure. But it's better than where we were a year or two ago. Yeah, at least there's some potential light at the end of the tunnel to bring, you know, to bring younger folks into the driving, you know, network and, and, and you know, get people to get in the seats and, and think that, you know, being a truck driver is, you know, a, a good career path, um, you know, but to get people in those seats and to do what you have to do, trying to find drivers because there's a driver shortage, you know, when you look at rate compression right now, and then you look at what, you know, not only myself, whether it's my private fleet or whether it's, you know, with asset-based carriers or, you know, with brokers is drivers cost more money. Uh, insurance costs more money. Fuel is going up. Tires. Um, 
and and quality of life of you know what kind of runs you know one stop truck you know one stop deliveries are obviously better for everybody with a full truck and one stop than than multi stop but the amount of money that's being thrown by companies to get drivers in the seats you know is astronomical what happens to your OTIF score what happens if you get a, a PO from a large customer even on a full truckload that says I need this PO on Wednesday. Well, I can't secure a truck. I can't deliver until Friday. Well, now, you know, that ball starts rolling with what if there's no appointments available on Friday? What's the fine for changing the date and changing the appointment? And then is that appointment available and when? Um, And lumper fees are going up. Um, You know, again, we as a company, we want to try and make ourselves a destination. We want to get people in and out. We want to give you the right appointments. We want to w- do work-ins the right way when somebody's late. You know, trucks are going to be early. Trucks are going to be on time. But for the, for the most part, trucks are probably late coming into our destination more times than not for a thousand different reasons. They got held up at a previous consignee. They got, you know, a driver got sick. Uh, we had a breakdown. So treating that that carrier with respect when they come in to say, hey, we understand that things happen and you're late. How do I work you in and get you in and out to try and still make an on-time delivery to make sure my OTIF score is right? So OTIF is, you know, you, you say, John, that it's just the everyday business that, you know, on time is just expected. Well, on time at 97, 98% five years ago was pretty easy. On time now above 95%, I would challenge anybody to say, you know, how are, are you really there and can you really get there with the current market and the compression, lack of drivers, lack of equipment? You know, that's kind of where I go is that you got to really look at when you're going to go shop a rate and shop a relationship, is it sustainable and what does it do ultimately to your OTIF score? For us, that's the most important thing. So I really do think it's about relationships of how you manage the ups and the downs together. We all have the same data. We know what's happening in the world. And, and, and the, you know, so let's not blow smoke up each other's skirt. You know what I mean? What's come with what's fair. And we're going to come back to you and say what's fair is fair. We did the right thing on the way up. We have to talk about what's the fair and right thing to do on the way down. Well, and I think, you know, for us as a company, we, we reach that point. Um, we are, as a company here at Triple T, we're somewhat slow to react as the market goes up. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, we see the value in long-term pricing and long-term relationships and commitments. So when the market goes up, we're normally the last to go up. And conversely, we're going to be on the last side coming down because... We want to see that it stays down and it doesn't ramp right back up. I think what what is more difficult for many shippers is to understand that if you treat transportation as a commodity, there's going to be major swings, peaks and valleys. If you treat it, you know, from a relationship and a service-based perspective and balance it to, to what we always talk about, uh, that then you have the ability to provide stability, even more stability than in the market to your shippers and your clients. So, you know, for us, whether it's your shipment, whether it's Meyer's shipment, whether it's Kroger's shipment, whether it's, you know, public shipment, whether it's another manufacturer, uh, 
understanding that, you know, that we have to be above that 98% all the time with all of them, or we're not going to be the trusted partner that we've had the relationship of being. So I, I think that, you know, to many of your points, I think we, we look at compression and have to understand it and take it with, you know, a lot of other factors that you brought up that I think that a lot of times, you know, that seeing that low rate, everybody's like, hey, I'm going to save money. You're going to save money, but you're going to you're going to pay how much of it back? What's it going to cost you? So you, I chose, you know, uh, to, to have this discussion with because I think you see both sides. You see the bigger picture. And uh, I want to say thank you for participating again today and sharing your knowledge and wisdom with our uh, listeners and viewers. And I uh, look forward to uh, having you on again, Scott. All right, man. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. I do appreciate you and Triple T. Um, we have a wonderful relationship and I cherish that relationship and it's very important to me. So thank you for thinking that I had some knowledge that I could share with some other folks. You do. Um, like I, well, you know what? I've surrounded myself with awful good people. You know, I had a mentor a long time ago that said, it's not all about you, dude. You need to surround yourself with people smarter than you are. And, and I certainly have done that. I'm, I'm lucky. Um, and, and we have developed a lot of good relationships uh, over the years with folks like yourself and, and other brokers and, and other asset-based carriers. So relationship is important. I think everybody really needs to take a hard look in the mirror and say, you know, what is my relationship and is it right? Is it transparent? Is it equal uh, amongst everybody, right? Everybody's got to make money uh, and everybody's got to survive. Right. Um, I don't ever want to see brokers or, or asset-based guys you know, go by the wayside because, you know, they're getting beat up and down. Everybody deserves to get their little piece of the pie. It's just always about, and I know some people hate the word fair, but it is about being fair and being a destination. It really is. Oh, I agree. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's why our partnership has been a partnership for how many years now? 15, 18 years. So um, in conclusion, thank you so much for everything. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Have a good one.